0: And welcome to Wise About Texas, the Texas History Podcast. Before I begin, I want to thank everyone for the tremendous response to the launch of the podcast. I released an introductory episode and three others and had hundreds of downloads just the first few days. Feedback has been tremendous, and I very much appreciate it. Now, if I've asked for suggestions about Texas history questions or topics you'd like me to address, and this episode four is in response to one of those suggestions. A listener from Houston wanted to learn more about the capitals of Texas. At first blush, that might seem easy, but like so many things in Texas history, it's a little bit complicated, but also very interesting. So interesting, in fact, that I've decided to split it into two different episodes. So this is episode four, part one of the capitals of Texas. To start our discussion about the capitals of Texas, we need to go back to 1836 and get wise about Texas. In episode one, we discussed San Felipe de Austin, which was the capital of Austin's colony. But we're going to start discussing capitals as of March 2nd, 1836, which is the day Texas declared her independence from Mexico and elected a provisional government. There was a convention held at Washington on the Brazos, which was located on the Brazos River in what's now Washington County. The Declaration of Independence was adopted on March the 2nd, and they signed it on March the 3rd. On March the 4th, they formed a committee to organize the military and Sam Houston was appointed Commander-in-Chief. From there, the convention dragged a few days while the members squabbled over how to fund the Revolution, how to draft a Constitution, and while everyone was eagerly awaiting word from the Alamo. Finally, on March 15th, word came to Washington that the Alamo had fallen, and that bad news made the formation of the government more urgent, and the Constitution was adopted the following day, March 16th. An election was also held on the 16th, and David Burnett was elected— by seven votes over Samuel Carson as the provisional president of the Republic. One of the members recalled Burnett as not fit for the station, but he did manage to eke out a victory anyway in a close race. So upon the election of the government and the convening of the members for the business of Texas, we're going to say that Washington on the Brazos became the first capital in the old Republic of Texas. Now the Alamo had fallen and Santa Ana was on the march, so it was urgent that they get out of there. Much of the convention's time was consumed with trying to arrange a loan for the Republic to finance the revolution. The loan faced some opposition, but President Burnett was evidently in favor of it because a resolution approving taking out a loan was made on March 17th and the convention immediately adjourned. That same day, Burnett announced he was headed for Harrisburg in safety from the Mexican army. A member of the convention wrote that the members spread around the country immediately upon adjournment, So they needed uh, to help their families escape the marching Mexican army. Right before he left, President Burnett issued a proclamation intended to ease the people's fears, and while their fears were presumably easing, Burnett got the heck out of there. So for early March 1836, Washington on the Brazos was the capital of the Republic of Texas. Now on March 19th, President Burnett had arrived at Gross's Plantation on the Brazos River, which is south of Present day Hempstead. In those days, Gross's was the place. It was the largest and most prosperous plantation in Austin's colony, and everybody traveling in that area stopped there. The president and the entire cabinet, except for one man, was at Gross's by March the 20th. On March the 20th, which was a Sunday, William Barrett Travis's slave Joe arrived at Gross's plantation. He was the only male survivor of the Alamo and provided everyone with the first eyewitness account of the fall of the Alamo. And due to the, president, the presence of the president and almost his entire cabinet, I'm going to call Gross's plantation the capital of the Republic of Texas from at least March 19th to March 21st, 1836. But the government officials decided they needed to keep heading east, you now, a funny thing happened when the men were leaving. Many of them were concerned that they had overstayed their welcome with Jared Gross and didn't want to impose on his hospitality, but he managed to cure everybody of that because when they told him he, they were leaving, he presented each man with a bill for their room board and horse feed. So Jared Gross was always the businessman. Now, the government reached Harrisburg late on March 22nd. Burnett went from there re- briefly to his home which uh, Burnett lived just east of the eventual San Jacinto battleground, but he came back to Harrisburg by March the 24th. The next few days were again spent working on loan terms for the new Republic of Texas. The loan was finally consummated on April the 1st. and By this time, the government had learned that Sam Houston was actually retreating instead of engaging Santa Ana, which caused a lot of discontent among the government officials. A steamboat, which was named the Cayuga, arrived at Harrisburg and was planning to sail for New Orleans by way of Galveston, and the government officials intended to be on it. So from March 22nd until the Cayuga sailed for Galveston on April 4th, Harrisburg was the capital of the Republic of Texas. At that point, Burnett and the cabinet were scattered and moving between Lynchburg, which uh, Nathaniel Lynch lived um, in a place eventually called Lynchburg and ran a ferry, that still runs to this very day across the ship channel. They were moving between Lynchburg, New Washington, which is now Morgan's Point, and everyone was intending generally to end up in Galveston at some point. The advancing Mexican army, to the extent they knew where the army was, was causing great agitation among the Texans. Burnett went went to his home again near Lynch's place to take care of his family and then left with his family for New Washington. On April the 15th, the president was at Vince's place. Now, those of you familiar with the Battle of San Jacinto remember about the burning of Vince's bridge. That was at Vince's place, and it was a bridge over the, over a bayou. The president was there on April the 15th, but at some point that day, he ended up on the steamboat Cayuga headed for Galveston. Also on that boat were the remaining citizens of Harrisburg, the ones that hadn't already fled. Now, I want to mention two other guys that were on that boat. One was a Dr. Harrison. Now, he was supposedly the son of General William Harrison, and that's William Henry Harrison, who later became President of the United States. General Harrison had been an ambassador to Colombia from the United States at the same time that Mexican General Urrea was the minister to Colombia from Mexico. Dr. Harrison had been captured at Goliad, but General Urrea, because he was friends with his father, had pardoned him and let him leave Goliad with a servant named Mordecai. Um, and so that Dr. Harrison was spared from the massacre. Now, there's some mystery surrounding this story because Urea later wrote that he actually sent Harrison north to calm the settlers and assure them they weren't in danger. So there's some question about the Dr. Harrison mystery, which might make a good episode. Another man on the boat was Captain Benjamin Holland. Now, Holland had also been at Goliad, But he had been marched out to the execution grounds with the other prisoners, had picked up on what was about to happen to him because he understood Spanish, and saw an opportunity to make a run for it. So Holland knocked over a guard, knocked over a second guard, grabbed the weapon of a third guard, and took off. What he didn't realize was there was an outer line of guards. But as he ran, he managed to blow the head off one of those guards and get away. And he wandered for six days without food before finally finding... Sam Houston's army. Um, now, he's not. it's not clear why he was then with the government officials, but he was the highest ranking officer to have escaped the Goliad Massacre, so it makes sense that maybe he was there to tell Burnett what had gone on. All right, that's enough side stories. Let's go back to the steamboat at New Washington. Uh, the boat left for Galveston with President Burnett and the cabinet on April the 16th. Now, uh, again, allegedly, because there's some mystery around this, Dr. Harrison presented his sword, which was returned to him by General Urea, to President Burnett. Um, And by the way, before they got on the boat, the Mexican dragoons had arrived at New Washington just as Burnett had escaped into the bay, rowing his way to the Cayuga. And the only reason the Mexican soldiers didn't shoot him was Burnett's wife was in the rowboat. So Burnett made it to the Cayuga and made it to Galveston. Now, Galveston in 1836 was not exactly the bustling island it is today. In fact, the only building on the island was an old Mexican customs house built in 1830. There were remnants of pirate Jean Lafitte's fort, but only really the outline of the building and scattered bricks and nails and some other stuff. The island was described by some as being no more than 10 feet above the tide level at any point, and it was also covered with birds and deer. The harbor at Galveston, though, was the best in the vicinity. Um, One observer talking about Galveston in 1836 said that a considerable city was sure to spring up on Galveston Bay somewhere, but it definitely would not be on that island. Oh, how wrong he was. Burnett and the government uh, arrived, and they weren't alone. Many of the settlers fleeing the advancing Mexican army in the runaway scrape were with them. Everyone convened on the eastern end of the island. The Texas Navy ships were anchored in the channel, and upon the arrival, Burnett and the other government officials of the Republic were sleeping on the sand, and then later it said that they were in a tent. But it was here on the eastern end of Galveston Island that they awaited news of the fight, presumed fight, between Sam Houston and Santa Ana. Now, if you go back and read firsthand accounts of the atmosphere and movement between Harrisburg, Lynchburg, New Washington, and Galveston during this time, it becomes apparent just how confused everything was. The settlers from Gonzales all the way to Harrisburg were all headed to the east. The area was full of land speculators who had come to Texas but decided it was just too chaotic and they were on their way back to Louisiana. The families that had left all their possessions and fled were destitute and they were hoping to get back to the United States in safety. So it was a total mess in that area at that time. But it was here that the provisional government sat and awaited news from the Army. So for a few days in April, Galveston was the capital of the Republic of Texas. Now, if you listen to episode one of this podcast, you learn that Benjamin C. Franklin and Robert Calder arrived in Galveston and informed the government that Texas had won her independence at San Jacinto. Secretary of War Thomas Rusk sent a dispatch to Burnett, asking him to come to San Jacinto immediately. The quickest way to get there from Galveston was going to be on the steamboat Yellowstone, And by the way, that's the same steamboat that had ferried Sam Houston and the Army across the Brazos River days earlier. The only problem was that Galveston was absolutely devoid of any usable timber, so it took several days to gather enough wood together so that that steamboat could make the trip to San Jacinto. But the president did start for the Texian camp at San Jacinto on May the 1st. He arrived shortly after that, and to his apparent disgust, found Sam Houston and Santa Ana actually enjoying each other's company. Burnett then decided to take the cabinet and the prisoners, the Mexican officers in Santa Ana, back down the coast and away from the battlefield. So on May the 7th, they boarded the steamboat Yellowstone once again and headed back down to Galveston. So for another few days, in early May 1836, we could say that the capital of Texas was the Texian Army Camp at San Jacinto. The president and the prisoners arrived back on Galveston Island on May the 8th, so we're now going to call Galveston the capital again. The problem with Galveston, as I mentioned earlier, was that there were no facilities for writing the treaties. There wasn't even a desk. There was no prisoner housing. There was nothing there, so Burnett needed a better location. So he selected a port town that was growing at the mouth of the Brazos River called Velasco, and off they went. Velasco was a town at the mouth of the Brazos River. Stephen F. Austin's first group of colonists had landed at the spot in 1821. At the time, and for the next 10 years after 1821, there was one house uh, at Velasco. In 1831, Mexico had passed some new laws in connection with all the Anglo immigration, and that led them to build some infrastructure at the place and named it Velasco after a Mexican general. Mexico built a customs house and they stationed soldiers at a fort there at the port. Now There was a skirmish at Velasco in 1832 when a group of colonists sailed a ship down the Brazos from another settlement called Brazoria intending to attack the Mexican authorities at Anahuac, but the soldiers at Velasco wouldn't let them pass. So the Texans decided to attack the Velasco soldiers instead because, as you know, if a Texan wants to fight, there's going to be a fight. And i got to tell you this because it's kind of funny. The plan was for two groups to approach the fort from an inland route and the rest to stay in the ship and just drift the ship downriver until they were next to the fort when they could fire the one cannon they had on the ship at the fort. Well, the Mexican general started firing his cannon at the approaching troops from the land, but the cannon had been aimed for the ship in the river. So the rounds, the Mexican rounds, were flying over the heads of the Texans as they stormed the fort. The Mexicans fired 109 shots, uh, but they only had 113, so they had to give up because they were out of ammunition. And the Texans on the ground, as Texans have always been, were great shots. And by this time, they were right up next to the fort. So one author called, because of that battle, one author called the Port of Velasco the Boston Harbor of the Texas Revolution. And frankly, that was probably the first significant bloodshed of the Texas Revolution. And that was June 1835, by the way, well before the incident with the come and take it flag later that year in Gonzales. All right, back to Velasco. Burnett arrived at Velasco in May 1836 and put the government records in that old Mexican fort for safekeeping. At that point, Velasco was doing very well. In addition to the port, it had trading posts, had assault works, it even had a mail route that ran between San Felipe to Austin and Velasco. Burnett and Santa Ana concluded their treaty negotiations at Velasco, and and the treaties of Velasco were signed at the fort on May the 14th, 1836. So from May 1836 all the way to October 1836, Velasco was the capital of the Republic of Texas. Now in October 1836, Burnett decided to move the capital to the town of Columbia. Now if you listen to episode one, you learn that the town of Columbia grew out of Josiah Hughes Bell's settlement called Bell's Landing. Bell had cut a two-mile road to the end of his land grant, the end that had prairie on it, and laid out the town of Columbia. Bell had moved to a plantation just south of this new road between Bell's Landing and Columbia back in 1826. So between 1826 and 1836, Columbia was growing. It had several plantations and was booming, One significant event that had occurred was the first Masonic Lodge in Texas was organized under an oak tree between Columbia and Brazoria on the John Austin Place. It was named the Holland Lodge after the most worshipful Grand Master of Louisiana, John Henry Holland. And a little side note about that, one of the charter members was Anson Jones, who was, as you know, the last president of the Republic of Texas. When General Urrea's army stormed into Columbia, Jones rescued the original charter for the Holland Lodge and carried it in his saddlebags at the Battle of San Jacinto. And that original charter was then taken to Houston, and the Holland Lodge still exists today in the city of Houston. Another interesting side note was that in 1834, Columbia had a horse racing track. Josiah Hughes Bell was the head of the Columbia Jockey Club. And though the Mexican army occupied Colombia just before the Battle of San Jacinto, horse racing was held just before and immediately after the invasions. Nothing will stop Texans when it's time to race their horses. And it's reported uh, during that time that a gentleman named Splane offered a $10,000 bet on any horse uh, against his prize horse. Now that'd be about $30 million today. So um, also while this big time gambling was going on, the second oldest Bible society in Texas was organized in Columbia in 1835, so there was a lot going on. On Christmas Day, 1835, a meeting was held in Columbia presided over by Josiah Hughes-Bell himself. We mentioned this meeting in episode one of Wise About Texas. The That assembly had adopted some resolutions, including calling for a convention to declare independence, and that's what led to the convention in Washington on the Brazos where they did declare independence. So Columbia had had a pivotal role in starting the Texas Resolution, and once it was won, Columbia became one of the earlier capitals of the Republic of Texas. And Columbia, unlike the other capitals up to this time, actually took on the look of a real capital. One of the important events that occurred in June 1836 was the arrival of Santa Ana and some of his generals. They were taken to William Patton's plantation just outside town. In July, they were moved to a plantation owned by Dr. Phelps, which was called Orozimbo, about 12 miles from the town because the townspeople were getting angrier and angrier at Santa Ana and the government was worried about his safety. On July 23rd, President Burnett called for elections to occur in September and stated that the new Congress would convene in Columbia. The elections were held, and of course Sam Houston won the presidency. And on October 3rd, 1836, just a year and a day after that cannon was fired at Gonzales, the Congress convened and Columbia started functioning as the capital of the Republic of Texas. On October 22nd, President Houston and his Vice President Mirabeau Lamar were inaugurated. Now, the Houses of Congress met in two different buildings, the House in one and the Senate in the other. Sam Houston was staying with Josiah Bell, and he used one of his outbuildings as his office. The people of Columbia had promised to provide buildings for the government, but that actually never really came together like they said, so, and Sam Houston actually wrote, he was complaining about the accommodations and wrote that the present position of our government is one of greatest inconvenience and absolute embarrassment. So Houston wasn't a huge fan of the location. Within 45 days, the new government had already passed a resolution in each house appointing a committee to find a better capital. The Senate voted they wanted Jared Gross's house near Bernardo Plantation that Gross called Gross's Retreat. The House of Representatives wanted the capital to be Nacogdoches. They settled the matter by putting 15 potential capitals on a ballot and having a vote. Uh, The brand new town of Houston ended up the winner over Washington-on-the-Brasas on the Brazos on the 4th ballot. Now, uh, Houston might have won because of the presence of one of the members of Congress, John Kirby Allen. John Kirby Allen and Augustus Allen had founded the town of Houston and one of their intentions was to make it the capital, John Kirby Allen was in the Congress and participating in this, voting and presumably advocated very strongly for his new city. Well, he was successful, and the government voted to move the capital to Houston. So Columbia's time as the capital came to a close on December 22, 1836, but it had hosted the formation of the government of the new Republic of Texas, and played a pivotal role in winning her independence. All right, we now come to the segment of the show I call Getting There, and there are a lot of places to see from this episode, and I'm going to tell you how to get to a few of them. Washington on the Brazos is located off of Highway 105 between Brenham and Navasota. It has several old buildings there and a museum celebrating the important events that occurred there. Gross's Plantation was located on what is now private property on FM 1887 south of Hempstead, Texas. If you drive south down that road and generally look to the west, you'll be driving through the Bernardo Plantation, enough to say that you have been there. Um, Harrisburg is now part of Houston. If you travel in Houston, Texas, if you go to the 8100 block of Lawndale, east of downtown and just east of Broadway, you'll see a historical marker commemorating the town site of Harrisburg. If you can find your way to the Glendale Cemetery nearby, you'll definitely be in Harrisburg. And uh, there's a restaurant called Brady's Landing. It's located on land that used to be part of the old town. Um, In fact, Texas Avenue downtown in Houston becomes Harrisburg Avenue and runs right to where old Harrisburg was located. Now, the location of the government on Galveston Island is now part of a U.S. Coast Guard base. I was down there about a week ago and can tell you that access is restricted to that site. Now, at the east end of Seawall Boulevard, however, there's a marker for an old army fort called Fort San Jacinto, which references the government of the Republic. Now while technically it's not right on the spot where the government was, it's within a mile or so, so you can get a feel for what for where they were. Velasco is now part of the town of Surfside Beach, and there are several historical markers in that area referencing Velasco. Columbia, however, is thriving. Now, the town of Columbia that was the capital of the Republic is now called West Columbia. It's located on State Highway 35 west of Angleton. There are many historic sites preserved there and lots of nice people to meet. So head down 288 from Houston and turn west on Highway 35, and you'll be in West Columbia. They've reconstructed a building approximating where the first congress met, There's a museum, and don't forget to visit the Columbia Cemetery, which sits on land that was donated by Josiah Hughes Bell and is the resting place for many of the heroes of early Texas. Now for part two, we'll travel with the government to my hometown of Houston and learn about the movement of the capital from Houston to Austin, which led to an attempt to remove government records in the dark of night. It led to armed conflict, known as the Archives War, and I know you won't want to miss it. Well, that wraps it up for Episode 4, Part 1 of Wise About Texas. I hope that you've found us on Facebook at Wise About Texas and that you will like and share the Facebook page. Tell your friends to subscribe to us on iTunes and follow the show on Twitter at Wise About Texas. And you can get some bonus content. I'll put some pictures up in connection with these episodes on the website, which is www dot wiseabouttexas.com so until next time god bless texas and we'll see you down the road